Obviously, the Jets know something that, you know, the people up here don't. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Dalvin Osario. Dalvin, how you doing today? Man, you know, I, I kind of thought to myself, this is going to be a good one, right? We're going to be right before the preseason game, and then we get the, the injury news yesterday. So I'm kind of somber, you know, but it's all right. We'll rip through it. Yes. Uh, what Dalvin is, of course, alluding to is that the Jets' best offensive player, TOJ fan favorite, uh, guy with his name on the front of a bunch of great T-shirts that a bunch of Jet fans have been wearing. I don't know where the shirts came from. They may have came from us. Uh, Quincy Inouye is out for the year with a neck injury, uh, a bulging disc issue. He will be out six to nine months. Uh, definitely not the best news on a Monday for a New York Jets team that is criminally short on offensive weapons and is trying to evaluate a young quarterback. The team's top receivers as of right now would be Robbie Anderson, who is an uh, undrafted free agent going into his second year. Uh, Sharon Peake, who had 13 catches last year. Jalen Marshall, who suspended the first four games. Uh, rookies are Darius Stewart and Chad Hansen, who are third and fourth round picks. And then a collection of other cast-offs like Chris Harper, Marquise Wilson, and a couple other undrafted free agents added this year. So on paper, on paper, probably the worst, definitely the worst group of receivers in the NFL with a new eye out. Uh, and a challenging situation for this offense to overcome because there's really not a guy who replicates his skill set as a new was the kind of guy versatile enough to play H-back, to play in the slot, to play outside. I do think that this is going to lead to that many more targets for guys like Austin Safarian Jenkins and Jordan Leggett in the middle of the field. Uh, on the outside, it's going to be on guys like Anderson, Peak, Hansen uh, to take advantage of more targets and make more plays. But this is a really tough situation uh, for a young quarterback or any quarterback to be playing. And in a tough break for Inouye, who's only 25 and will be a restricted free agent next year. Uh, and coming back from this type of injury, for, particularly for a guy who plays as violently as he plays with the way he runs after the catch, uh, it's going to be a tough one to overcome. And it's just, you know, it's a real gut punch because Inouye's one of the few guys in this team that you knew you could get really excited about watching each week because he was a young, homegrown player who was getting better each year, who had the ability to make big plays. He had probably eight of the ten Jets' exciting plays last year himself, uh, and now someone else is going to have to step up and fill that void. So, I mean, Dio, what was your reaction to this news as it came out? Uh, a gut punch, like you said. I think the biggest thing was, and it's funny, I was talking to uh, Kyle Fahey from the Jet Take about this, I, because he's the one that sent me the text when the, when the news broke, and I was like, what? I, I thought it was a joke, right? Because I like initially it was that, you know, it's like they I thought that it might have been like a non-contact injury. And whenever you hear that, you think ACL automatically. I know I do. And then it was no a bulging disc in his neck. And I so bulging discs just tend to linger as is. Right. And I, I we've seen some players that just play through it, you know, countless uh, painkillers and, you know, cortisone injections and they just play through it. Right. But People, that leads to a lot of other complications, like just, you know, hip injuries and, and just your, your back's never really the same if you have some kind of invasive surgery to repair a bulging disc. And I was very, you know, I'm scared for Quincy just because you're right there. I don't think there is a more physical receiver, certainly not on this team and maybe not in the NFL. I mean, Bolden and Brandon Marshall are probably up there, but Q's one of them. And if you require physicality, um, then 
I, I think there's no way around you being hesitant to engage in that contact after you've had some kind of surgery like that. I also think that he is by far the best player on this offensive side of the ball, and you're now removing him. And again, I don't. I think he was going to have a, a solid year just because contact, just because touches were going to be funneled towards him, right? Like you were just going to see that happening. But he was the guy that was going to take attention away, you know, from guys like Chad Hansen or Darius Stewart, Safarian Jenkins, Jordan Leggett, because he is the best player on the offense. Now you have essentially two rookie wide receivers. And again, Robbie Anderson may not be suspended, but if he is, you're going to have two rookie wide receivers starting with a, with a journeyman quarterback or a rookie quarterback. If Bilal Powell's injury is serious, then you'll probably have a rookie running back starting and an offensive line that hasn't played together. That is a recipe for disaster. And at least with Quincy Inouye, you had somebody that could go up and go get the ball, who if you put the ball in his hands could make some things happen. And now where do you get that from? I know a lot of people are scoffing and saying, oh, well, this just means more opportunities for the other guys. But Q was one of the guys. Like he was a young homegrown player that was going to develop and was going to be your number one receiver. So it's a blow. And I was definitely, I mean, I'm rooting for him personally because I want him to come back and be okay. And I know that these things can linger. But on the field, you're going to miss his impact. Yeah. I mean, John Morton just has to get that much more creative now. And this isn't the kind of thing where one person is going to slide into this role. It's going to be more targets for the tight ends, it's going to be more Darius Stewart screens working from the slot some of the short stuff that Inua was doing and then more you know vertical opportunities for guys like Anderson and Hanson it's, it's nearly impossible to project the personnel groups of the formations the Jets are going to utilize now I'm going to guess what we'll see starting this week is something like Anderson and Peak on the outside with Marshall and Stewart rolling through on the inside but guys like Harper and Wilson and everybody else is going to get a legitimate opportunity and it's going to be a matter of who can separate themselves from the pack, really. But it's going to be by committee. And I think you're going to see a lot of Jets, different Jet receivers, playing a lot of reps. And there's not going to be any sort of target hog. Or, you know, you might see like something like five to seven guys have between 30 and 50 targets. You're not going to have the guy that has 100 or 120 targets. Even Anderson is doubtful to get up to that number uh, because it's going to be a challenge. You know, you look at a guy like Anderson – he was productive last year when he was playing with Marshall and Anua alongside him. Now he is technically the top guy, uh, and that brings a lot more of a challenge with it, brings more of a focus from the defense, and everyone else is, you know, very improved. So it's, you know, it's a shame, and this is part of the problem of, you know, quote-unquote tanking or stripping the roster down so much is that if you have an injury like this, the depth goes from bad to just comically bad, and it's not – really fair for a guy like Hackenberg or Petty if they end up playing because it's going to be very difficult uh, to properly evaluate them and it just clouds the decision-making at the end of the year because let's say Hackenberg plays 10 games this year and he's bad, which most people probably expect him to be. There's going to be a line of argument saying that, well, you, should, you still shouldn't take a quarterback because who was he throwing to last year and who was blocking for him? Uh, and that could potentially lead to the Jets passing on a quarterback, which is a very bold thing to do because what if Hackenberg, the reason he was bad isn't because of the talent around him, it's because he can't elevate the talent around him and then all of a sudden you pass on a quarterback. So basically it just muddies up the evaluation process, which is why it might have been valuable to hang on to a guy like Eric Decker or, or maybe find a way to add a little more depth. But, you know, we're going to see how it plays out and it definitely puts uh, a damper on things heading into the first preseason game as the Jets will be 
you know, working through the rest of their week of practice, second week of practice, and they'll be opening at home with the Tennessee Titans uh, this Saturday. Uh, we will be there up in the uh, booth with all of our friends from uh, the Jets beat and Jets media and getting our, getting our credential to coverage on it. will be interesting to see how the crowd is, how many people are at the game, what the energy is like in the building, uh, and watching all these spots get, you know, the competition that's going on, every position is just completely wide open. You're reading that, you know, the right tackle could very easily be Quali or Shell. The left tackle could be Jalan or Beecham. Uh, at outside linebacker, Frank Beltre has probably had more sacks and played more reps than anybody else through this point. <laughs> you're going to have five or six different people rotating through there. A corner, you're going to see a ton of different faces. So uh, this is wide open, and people are going to have the opportunity to, you know, grab reps and grab playing time. Like, what – I, mean, I guess what is the main thing or even the main hope that you're hoping to see against the Titans, Dalvin? Man, and you, you know what? As you were running the names, I'm like, you know, you're right. One, I think that this is good. I think uh, not losing a, a new one. I think it's good that you have so many young guys that are fighting for starting positions, right? Um, although I think it would be borderline nuts if Ijelana and Kuala are the starting left tackle and right tackles. You just paid Kelvin Beecham all that money, and I would assume you paid him all that money for him to start at left tackle. But um, this is kind of what happens when you rebuild, right? And rebuilding is what this team should have done uh, when McCagnan first got here. And it, and I think you and I kind of spoke about this offline a little bit. It was a bit disingenuous to hear him yesterday say, well, no, we've always felt that we were going to build through the draft. That is not even true. Um, you know, not when you throw $120 million into just the secondary in your first offseason, right? So there is that. Um, I think that ultimately there are there are concerns with this team, but there's a lot to be excited about in terms of just watching some of these young guys play. You mentioned Beltre. It's funny because Connor Hughes tweeted that he had another sack. I think it was like, I think he had, you're right. I think he's had like nine sacks, you know, during training camp. And initially I was like, oh, Adrian Beltre, the baseball player. That's funny because I absolutely forgot about Frank Beltre as an option for edge rushing, you know, edge rushing reps. Um, and sure enough, here he is. He's getting, you know, sacks in training camp. And guys like that tend to stand out. Guys like Dylan Donahue. Guys like Elijah Maguire, Jordan Leggett had a really nice catch during the green and white scrimmage on Saturday. You want, you want this team to be made up of young guys that are going to build up that nucleus because the middle class of this roster, and I've said it repeatedly, has been so ignored during the years because GMs in this market and for Woody Johnson have gone and chased after these big names, right? So instead of trotting out a, a lineup of Eric Decker, Jeremy Curley, Quincy Anua, no, they had to go and trade a draft pick for Brandon Marshall. Instead of continuing to build with Bilal Powell, adding a young running back, you go and spend money on Matt Forte, right? Like, this is kind of what the team has done. And I know that McCagnan gets a pass because he's a quote-unquote scout, whatever. But he's operated the same way that other GMs here have operated. It's the same way Tannenbaum has operated in trading draft capital for guys that are no longer here and that don't factor into the long-term stability of this team. Now you see it kind of playing out where now you want them to play this young quarterback and there is no infrastructure set up to support him. So a lot of a lot of fans are scoffing like, oh, my God, this must mean that the season is over. Realistically, I, I like Quincy Newell as a player. Quincy Newell was not going to make or break your team as a playoff team. But the bigger issue that this highlights is the fact that I remember during the draft, a lot of Jet fans were like, well, why do we take Stewart and Hanson? Why would we do that? Like, And this is why you draft guys to build up that middle class. But they've ignored it for so long that you can't, like you mentioned, adequately scout and analyze what your young quarterback is doing well and what he's not. 
So I think those are the things for me. I, I'd like to see his footwork. Has it improved? I'd like to see if he's still opening up his shoulder and not getting enough drive on the ball, for Hackenberg in particular. For Elijah Maguire, I'd like to see, is he breaking tackles? Is he running hard? This offensive line could be pretty bad or pretty good. It's kind of a really weird pendulum swing. But is Maguire getting the tough yards inside and outside? Is he showing his prowess as, as a pass catcher out of the backfield? How are they using Safarian Jenkins and Jordan Leggett? I get that it's the first preseason game, but these are the two guys, Leggett in particular, who are going to be tasked with being Hackenberg or McCown's safety valves. Gary Barnes caught 90 passes with Josh McCown as his quarterback. He will look for the tight end, so you want to look to see how they're used. And Hanson, I really like, I, and, and, and I think he's, he's big and he's got speed and he's got good hands, and he is a monster vertically. Does he start to be used kind of how the Jets use Quincy and Nua? Those are the things that I'm looking for on offense and on defense. I get that some of the guys are banged up, but somebody has to step up and be a consistent edge rusher. Is it Beltre? Is it Donahue? Is it Malden? Is it Jenkins? Is it Freddie Bishop? Who's going to be the guy that, because it seems like Bowles is finally going to listen and play all three of these defensive linemen down. You need an edge rusher to clean it up when they force the quarterbacks outside the pocket. So who's going to be that guy that does that? Yeah, I think uh, it's just going to get all these young players into the microscope, particularly at the quarterback position. Uh, is what we're going to see. And it, some of these names, again, like we said, are going to surprise people, and the amount of rotation that is going through at each position is going to surprise people. But I, I think you're going to see how the lineup is utilized, uh, varying a high amount uh, from week to week. So I, I would expect Josh McCown to start the first preseason game. It's going to be more interesting to see a quarterback who starts the second and third preseason game, uh, and Hackenberg will have the chance to shift back. So he'll probably play the majority of the reps on Saturday. So if he is that good, he will have a chance to start the second game. If we get to a point where, um, you know, McCown starts the first preseason game and the second preseason game, you could probably read the writing on the wall. And I do still think he's probably the guy uh, who is going to start the season before being replaced by Hackenberg sooner rather than later. Uh, before we wrap here, and I just want to wrap out on a couple other Jet stories that are in the news uh, right now. I uh, want to remind you guys, this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official sponsor of the New York Jets and team partner for 2017 for their different fan experiences at away games and at home games. Uh, they will have different events set up uh, at each throughout the entire season. Make sure to check out primesport.com backslash turn the Jets for more information. Also make sure to give them a follow on Twitter and Facebook at Primesport. Again, that's Prime Sport, official fan experience partner for the New York Jets for 2017. Uh, that's primesport.com backslash turn on the Jets. Also want to remind you guys to subscribe like to play like a Jet, our other weekly podcast here at Turn on the Jets Digital, hosted by Scott Mason. He just wrapped up his four-part interview with Kerry Rhodes, which was just an excellent uh, discussion uh, on the 2008 Jets and on the transition from the Mangini to Rex years. This week, he is going to be talking to former All-American Hofstra safety Doug Shanahan, who spent some time with the Jets in training camp back in 2002 under Coach Herm Edwards. And he's going to talk through that experience of, of what it was like to be in Jets camp uh, for a few weeks and, and what the energy was like around that team. And this is going to be a series that Scott will be driving on for a few different weeks uh, on different players who spent some time with the Jets in training camp during different seasons throughout their history. So make sure to give them a follow uh, at Play Like a Jet 1. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes to Play Like a Jet. And, of course, subscribe to us on iTunes at Turn on the Jets. Uh, and check for a new episode every Friday. Again, Scott will be talking with former Jet safety 
Doug Shanahan this week. Um, okay, Dio, before we wrap, uh, Sheldon Richardson is back in the news again for continuing to sulk and complain about Brandon Marshall. Uh, I understand that the, you know, the narrative for Jet fans now, since Marshall's in the Giants and Sheldon's still in the Jets, is that, you know, this is all Marshall's fault. Sheldon is 100% right and, you know, beyond reproach. And look, I, I don't doubt that Brandon Marshall was a problem in the locker room last year. He's been a problem in the locker room everywhere he went. That, that's part of his MO. It's part of his reputation. But uh, you're a little naive if you just think Brandon Marshall was the only problem in the Jets locker room last year. And you think Sheldon Richardson has been a saint the past two years. This is a guy who's been suspended and has missed six total games over the past two seasons, has underachieved regardless of where he was playing. He played 84% of the snaps in the defensive line last year, and he was not very good during those 84% of the snaps. So, yes, he should be playing 100% of his snaps there, but let's not act like the reason he's underachieved the past two years is only because of the coaching staff. Uh, and it's just stop talking. Drop it. Marshall's on a different team. Marshall, for all of his problems, played great football two years ago, had the best single season a Jet receiver has ever had, period. A better season than Sheldon Richardson has he ever came close to having. And last year was not very good, but either was Sheldon Richardson. So, you know, basically I see two problematic guys feuding, but at least one of them played some good football for the team over the past two years. And with Sheldon, uh, it's just become redundant at this point. I think it's just kind of, I think it's weak from some Jet fans to all of a sudden act like Sheldon, you know, is beyond reproach in this situation just because Marshall's on the Giants now. I just, I understand it's, you know, it's a fan loyalty thing and you're always going to take the side of who's on your team no matter what. But I just think it's a played-out talking point at this point. Sheldon just needs to shut up and play. Get back to being the player you were in 2014. So the Jets could trade you and get some good value uh, at this point. I mean, what are your thoughts on the situation? Yeah, there is this rush to paint uh, Sheldon as, like, the the angel that did nothing uh, in this situation. Um, I think him painting Brandon Marshall as, like, the – the main culprit and how he was the only one that was uh, mature enough to stand up to him, I think was kind of childish. Um, I also think that I've never been a fan of players going through the media and just bashing other players. I think that that's really corny. I think it's lame. And I think Sheldon Richardson needs to, and this is your contract here and you say you want to be here. The one thing that I would have done was just not answered any questions about Brandon Marshall. I'm not here to talk about Brandon. I'm not here to talk about Brandon. If your if your belief is that Brandon Marshall only wants to be famous, then let him do what he does, and you go about your business. I think that this is a very important year, not only for Richardson but also for for this entire Jets defensive line. Richardson is going to play a key role in that, but not if you continue to shoot off at the hip because you think that that makes sense. I also think that with Sheldon Richardson, he immensely talented player. And there was a piece that came out by the Daily News that kind of just blasted the Jets for even wanting to move on from him and all that. And I thought it was funny because clearly you know who fed it to him. And I think Sheldon's playing this game where eventually, like, you're talking so much, your production's going to have to match it up. Otherwise, you're just going to be the fool that talks. And that would be my message to Sheldon is just go out there, let the, let the play speak for itself. And Brandon Marshall, you're right. I mean, you nailed it on the head. Brandon Marshall at least produced over the last two years. I, I get that he had a rough year last year, but, it, but that's in large part to the guy that was throwing him the ball, you know. And so I think Sheldon should really just focus on playing and leave it at that and stop trying to blame other people for what was really a bad year for him and for the team. 
Yeah. And last story that's on the news is not on the news or in the news that some Jet fans are getting worked up about is uh, the context of how people are talking about how Christian Ackerman was thrown out of practice from a website called the Daily Snark. Now, <laughs> what obviously happened is that Hackenberg couldn't break the huddle properly and got put on the sideline for a few reps. That it's you know it is what it is. It happens with young quarterbacks. The way the the Daily Snark phrase it is that he was thrown out of practice. He obviously wasn't kicked off the field entirely. He was put on the sideline for a few reps. But I think that point is, like, who cares? Like, it's called the Daily Snark. Like, if you were following all the people who were at practice or you were there, you saw what actually happened. So, you know, Jeff fans got to let it go. People are going to yeah. make fun of the team <laughs> until the team is good. People are going to make fun of Christian Hackenberg until he goes out and shuts them up and plays well. And he's been okay so far, but – he hasn't exactly been head and shoulders above Josh McCann in his stint. So the easiest way for Hackenberg to stop all these jokes is to go out and play well. Otherwise, he's going to be the same butt of the jokes that Geno Smith were, Mark Sanchez were, mm-hmm. and countless other Jet fans are. So, you know, you can spend all your time and energy getting it mad at a website called The Daily Snark. I just don't know what, you know, what, what that is hoping to achieve at that point. I mean, it's just like a it's, – it's a website meant – to be snarky <laughs> and meant to exaggerate. It's not like you like come on at this point, right? Well, and and also, I mean, it's it's so weird, man. Because I, I think like Jet fans in particular, like even some Jet fans are saying that Hackenberg hasn't gotten a fair shake. And it's like, well, one, because Connor Hughes and a bunch of the other writers did confirm that he like, exactly what you said that he couldn't break the huddle. More and had to yell at him. Initially, it happened, and it was on it was on Whitehead. Hack gets another shot at it. He doesn't break. He breaks. He doesn't break the huddle correctly again. So then he gets obviously put to the sideline. Right? He didn't get kicked out of practice. He didn't get sent home. But I think it's it's funny to see Jet fans like, oh my God, well he hasn't. He's not getting a fair shake. But if he's struggling to break the huddle, then that's why he's not getting a fair shake. He got his first team reps last yesterday and did not perform well. Like there's this. There's this belief, one, and, and I've seen it, and I've seen it in your mentions. I've seen it, you know, people come to me. But actually, last week, I did have somebody ask me if I was that, that if I was a member of Hack Hive because they thought I was a full-blown supporter of him, and that made me laugh. But there is this rush to, to criticize how Hackenberg is being covered, and I get it. You know, people like him. People want him to do well. That's fine. But I think I can speak for Joe, and I think I can speak for everybody and say, well, we're not going to slant our coverage of him. If he's bad, we'll tell you he's bad. If he's good, we'll tell you he's good. He's been average. Has he been better than he was last year? Yeah. But last year, he looked like a player that shouldn't be on an NFL roster. This year, he looks like he might be on an NFL roster. That's kind of the difference. Like, just because you're not terrible anymore doesn't mean you're suddenly good. And he's still struggling with a lot of the same things in training camp. A lot of the same things that he was struggling with last year. Like, sure, he's a, he's a little bit more accurate. He's been able to display the arm strength a little better. Maybe he fits Morton's offense better than he did Gailey's. But there's, st- there's still issues with Hackenberg as a player and we're not going to cover him differently so I would suggest enjoy enjoy the kid while you have it because the odds are the odds are more than likely that he will not be the quarterback next year that it'll be somebody else and then we'll go from there but don't get mad because people are covering him differently the Jets I hate to break it to you are a joke right now and they're a joke because this is this is what happens to bad teams the Browns have been jokes for 15 years the Jaguars have been jokes. The Titans have been jokes. And this is with them having a, a, a franchise quarterback. It's going to be bad for the next year, so you just got to get used to it. That's it. And I think well said by Dalvin. But, hey, you know what? There will be actual games. By exactly. The time we talk next week, we can talk about actual things that matter. Because, again, friendly reminder, the three most important days of training camp are the first three preseason games. And practices yep. are great, but ultimately nobody remembers the practices a couple of weeks from now. And they don't really mean all that much in the long run. 
The best Jets receiver in camp over the past, there's been years where the Jets' best receiver in camp was David Clowney. There's been other years, Greg Salas. There were other years, the best quarterback in camp was Kellen Clemens. None of that <laughs> yeah. stuff matters. It matters how do you start playing in the games, and then how does it actually pan out in the regular season. So we will start to see that process beginning this week when the Jets play the Titans, and we will be back next week to talk about it. So make sure to follow Dolvin on Twitter at DA underscore Sario. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Jay Caparoso. Hit us with that subscription on iTunes. Check out our new gear at The Loyalist. Got that new term, Jets tee. Got that new New Jack City tee for the new safeties. Give that a look, and we will be back next week. Thank you, everybody, for listening as always.